Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Moira Nigalaher. Moira is an international speaker and business mentor, as well as the founder of Secret Suppers Worldwide, TM, a new and stylish networking platform that is sweeping the world. She shows coaches, consultants, authors, speakers, and service-based entrepreneurs a powerful pathway to enrolling more clients, making way more money, and having a globe-trotting remote working lifestyle without complicated strategies. So welcome to the show, Moira. So excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here, Angel. Thanks so much for having me. So Moira, I am curious about how you got started speaking. Were you the little girl that would like stand there with the broom and be on the stage in front of all of your animals, your stuffed animals, having like a speaking event in your living room or was speaking something that came to you further down the line? I think we all had that moment with the hairbrush, whether it was singing. I think my mom, my hairbrush moment was more singing growing up in Ireland. I remember being told to get up on the stage in a, a local pub that's actually owned by Enya. I don't know if you know the international singer. So the stage that she became famous on, my parents used to make me go up on that all the time. But that didn't start my speaking journey, Angel. I actually was the girl who was told to shut up most of her life, especially in school. And it wasn't until I started my speak or my business that I realized the fear and terror that I had around speaking. And I was in a position when I started my coaching business in 2015, where I had very little internet, I had very little phone network, and I had very little online skills. So my choices of what to do to gather clients to grow my business were very limited. And I was traveling to networking events that was taking me about four hours to go and four hours to come back. So I was like, this is completely unsustainable. And this is definitely the reason I'm not growing my business. And one day I was driving back from Dublin, which is about four hours away from here. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, I've got to find a faster way. This is, this is not going to, it's not going to work. And I was driving along. And next thing I saw as I was coming near home, there was a sign on the side of the road saying local business conference, speakers, authors, networking. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to go. And then there was a voice in my head going, you've got to speak. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no, that's not going to happen. So I drove to my mom's house that evening and I told her about the event and she was like, Maria, I hope you're going to speak. And I was like, I can't. And she was just like, why not? She goes, are you not telling your clients to go out there and get what they want? I was like, don't do that. So the next morning, she actually specifically said, don't call them, go and ask in person. And I was like, okay, I've got it. I'll do it. 
So I drove to the office the next morning, took a massive deep breath, walked in the door and was like, hi, I'm Maureen Alhar and I help business owners get more sales and build a life they love. And I think my message is missing from your business. And he said, I've heard of you. And I was like, you have? And he was like, yeah, he goes, you know what? What we need is a local flavor in this event because it was all these speakers coming from around the country. So I walked out of the room, Angel, and I didn't know whether to laugh or cry because it was good that I got booked to speak, but then the terror really started (laughs) coming in on me. So long story short, I spoke that day, didn't do as good a job as I would do at an event today, but I spoke from my heart. I shared some stories. I gave some really great value. And as soon as I got off the stage, I was approached by a woman who invited me to speak at a prestigious event in Ireland. There were going to be 200 people at it. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a, an invitation. It was like, you're going to be on my stage. I was like, okay, you've got it. And then two people were interested in working with me. And I remember leaving the event that day thinking to myself, well, this is how I'm going to grow my business because what it just took me in 20 minutes has been taking me two, two months to do online. So that's what that's how I got into it. And I literally failed my way to where I am today. I certainly don't think it was an elegant walk by any means, but I just kept picking myself up and I just kept going. Yeah, beautiful. Well, there's a lot there that I want to dig into. The first piece that I want to just underscore that I I want our listeners to really hear that you kept failing your way forward and you kept picking yourself up and moving forward, which is something that we hear a lot, but we don't really embody that or acknowledge that until we're in it ourselves, until we're in it Mm. ourselves. So What I want to talk about now is what inspired you initially to start your own business? Because starting the business was really the first step along the way. And so many businesses fail within a very short period of time. And a lot of the reason why is because of the lack of capacity or understanding of how to efficiently get your message to the people that need to hear it so that they start doing business with you. So what inspired you initially to start your own business? Was it a calling? Was it a spiritual awakening? Was it a, you know, I'm going to die if I stay in my company any longer? What was that part of the journey? It was probably all of the above combined, to be honest. But uh, before I started my business, I was a youth worker living in London. And if anybody had looked at my social media around that time, it would have looked like Maura's having a great time. She's at fashion shows, traveling, all the stuff. But uh, inside, something just felt like this isn't enough for me. And I really hit a wall around about my 36th birthday. And any other year I would have been, you know, let's go party. Let's go, you know, have fun. And this year I was just like, I just don't feel like it. So instead of doing my usual, I took myself off to Paris for the weekend and I brought my journal and I was just kind of getting into coaching and, you know, being interested in personal development at the time. And because I couldn't make up my mind about what was wrong, I was like, get out of the city, go to the freshness of a new city, and maybe something new will appear for you. So I went to Paris. And as we all know, it's one of the most amazing, inspiring cities in the world. And I'm sitting in a cafe in Montmartre. 
and my coffee here, my croissant here, and my mobile phone is there, and I'm writing lists, and I get a phone call from home. Now, Angel, anytime you get a phone call from home, it's no big deal, but this was me sitting making some major decisions about my life. And when I saw the word home come up again on the phone, I literally had this feeling of peace wash over me, and something was saying, you need to go home. Now, to put this in perspective, I left home when I was 18, like most of us do. I came from a small town that I couldn't wait to leave because I never felt like I really belonged here. So I made a decision that day. I was like, right, that's it. I'm going to go home. I moved back to Ireland. And because it was the middle of the recession, I had to find something to do because I wasn't going to work in a, in a restaurant or a cafe. So the first thing that I did was I realized that there was so much beautiful resources here and so many amazing things to offer, but nobody knew that this really quiet kind of sleepy town existed. So I took it upon myself to create these heart-led adventures for people to get out of the city and experience Ireland. So my first business was bringing people to this amazing, inspirational place to have a unique experience. And I did that for two years and over a thousand people came to Ireland. And it was from doing that that I realized that, oh my gosh, I'm really good at sales. These business owners are really struggling with sales. So I moved from selling travel experiences to working with people one-on-one with sales. And I kind of just fell into coaching and mentoring and speaking came as part of that journey. Mm -hmm. And I really think that the reason I did it was because I was determined that I had so much more to give than the Mm -hmm. job I was in was allowing me. And I think the more I gave, the more I realized that there's even more here. And I just kept helping people and that a business unfolded, a brand unfolded from doing that. Mm, Beautiful. So I also came from small town and I left at 17 because I also didn't feel like I belonged. And I love doing these interviews because there's always a piece of me in every one of my guests I have found. So I love also that you said that as you saw that sign on the road for that speaking event and you heard this voice in your head that said, you need to speak. So I'd love to have you, if you wouldn't mind, talk a little bit, because what I'm hearing kind of between the lines is you are also deeply committed to listening to your heart and to listening to your knowing and to listening to your intuition and taking action on that. So I'd love to hear like kind of the underpinnings of that. Were you always fostered in your family as you know, was it was it fostered in your family to trust your own knowing, to listen to those inner voices, or was that something that you came to on your own? So obviously growing up where there was a lot of faith in our household because we grew up as Catholic with Catholic religion. But I think that more than anything, that my mom always taught me just to believe in myself. And if something doesn't feel right, it's not right. And if you think that there's more for you, there's more for you. And, you know, one of my very first business mentors said to me as well, Angel, she said, your business will only get get as big as your life. So as much as I was allowing myself to think about, you know, how big I wanted my business, I had to focus on how big I wanted my life to be. And I think my mom really instilled on me that I can have anything I wanted. And I've always just trusted that. And it was like, as the dreams come true, the bigger dreams appear. This sad part is, is that people don't allow themselves for the little dreams to come true so that then they have permission and they have evidence to keep dreaming bigger. Mm, Beautiful. I love that. As the dreams come true, bigger dreams come in. 
I love that we we want to give evidence as well. So there's something else that you said that, you know, I really want to I want to speak now to the listeners who are out there who are either starting their own business or have started their own business or thinking about starting their own business about the importance of speaking as a really effective way to connect to the the people who are meant to be served by you. And one of the things you said was you spoke from the heart and you gave great value. For me, and I think for many, there has always been this, this message in the marketplace from coaches and mentors and so forth and trainers about giving great value. But I think oftentimes we may not recognize our own value, or we may not really understand what that means to give great value. So could you talk a little bit about how you acknowledged for yourself or how you help your clients acknowledge that there is value that they have to offer and how they can give that value in a speaking venue in a way that not only delivers something to the audience, but also invites the audience members who Mm. are the right fit to go for more. Yeah. I think one of the most important things we can do as speakers is to give people a new way of thinking about something, because we know for sure that, you know, people are at these events because they want some sort of transformation. They have a problem that they want to solve. They're not necessarily looking for information or although They might say that they are, because if it was information they wanted, they can just Google it. So they're looking for something more. So really recognizing what are the people that your message is for? What are they truly looking for? And when I speak, I really want to help people see things in a different way. I want to give people breakthroughs. I want to give them a new perspective. Like when I first started my business, I, you know, I talked about that story I told you about sitting in that cafe and being so confused about my life. And I listened to a voice, like who knows what that voice was, but because I listened to it. So I've had so many people come up to me after I speak and going, you know, I wish I had have listened to the message that I got years ago, because I might not be still in this job or I wish, and it gives people confidence to see, you know what, the next time I'm going to do that the next time, or when I leave here, I'm going to make a change because they, people need to see you as their hero, because if it works for you, they have a chance of it working for them. And what I love about speaking is that, especially the way speaking is these days, I think gone are the days where speakers need to be polished, superhuman, ex-model heroes, that people actually want real, regular people doing extraordinary things. And extraordinary might be leaving your job and taking a step back from a six-figure or multiple six-figure career so you can do something with your time that's not just giving it to this company that you don't believe in anyway Mm. you know and I think people need to see that so that they can see the success that they want so that's what I would say to that I think that's the best value that you can give people I love that okay great well we are going to the break right now wickedly smart women we could use your help if you're enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com we'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content I want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading rating and reviewing we're welcoming thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world and we are now up to 100 countries I'm super excited about that when we hit the 100 country mark last week. And we are going to shout out today to our listeners in Ireland, of course, and we might as well also go with Italy and Iceland. We'll do all the eyes today and we will be right back with Myra. 
The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Moira. She has something really powerful for you. If you go to moira.ie, we will have that link for you in the show notes. She's got a beautiful gift, which is the 11 keys to finding your first or next speaking gig. So I would highly recommend that you download that if you are a business owner or even an aspiring business owner, because there's no time like now to get yourself prepared mentally, emotionally, and practically to get yourself out there speaking. So Moira, before we went to the break, we talked about this idea of giving great value. And I love your perspective about giving great value means actually giving people a different perspective on what's possible by role modeling what's possible. So let's talk a little bit about the money piece of the equation of both speaking and being in business for yourself, because this is, you know, between the two, you know, whether I can find my voice or whether I can actually claim my value, you know, have those all important sales conversations where people exchange fun funds for the value that I'm going to deliver to them. Those seem to be the two hardest places for most business owners that I've worked with myself and that I've got colleagues and myself, my own experience as well. So can you talk about either your own personal journey on the money side of things, or if you have a client example that you want to talk about where you help them to really understand how to communicate their value in a way that allowed for a money exchange to happen? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And yes, the money piece. I mean, it's just not one of us can escape the stories that we have growing up around money. And entrepreneurship is almost a process of undoing everything that we've learned because we literally grow up being told never to ask for money. And then you go into entrepreneurship and you have to ask for everything. And in fact, one of the stages that I spoke on Angel in New York. I was speaking on stage with Les Brown. Everybody knows the amazing Dr. Les. And this the day that I was speaking, I got to the venue and I could feel I had I had lot I had forgotten something. And I'm walking around going, what is it? About an hour before I was to get on stage and I realized I'd forgotten my shoes. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way I can go on stage like with barefoot. Although you seem like a person who might be open to that. I did it once in Bali, but not this day. This was not the day for bare feet. So I like ran outside, I called an Uber and I'm waiting for the Uber car and the sidewalk in Manhattan, all these beautiful cars pulling up. The next thing I see this really beat out Honda pulling up and I was just like, 
well, it's not my car. And it was, and it was like, oh my, how are you even got a job here? And I was like, okay, I have no time to waste. Let's go back to, let's take me to the hotel. So we were chatting away, the Uber driver's lovely and all the rest of it. So we get to the destination and I go to get out of the car. And he was like, oh, I was like, thank you so much. Bye. And the Uber driver said, oh, excuse me, ma'am. I says, yes. He goes, can you give me a five-star rating? And I was like, what? He was like, well, I want to boost my score. I, did I not take you where you wanted to go? And I was like, yeah. So I get out of the car and I gave the guy a five-star rating. In fact, when I looked at his score, he had a 5.5 average driving around in a beat-out Honda. And the only reason he had that was because he was asking every single customer to get into his car. So I always say to people, you can master the ask in your business because if an Uber driver can ask for the sale, you can ask for the sale. And I think that what we don't do is we don't give ourselves a chance to get good at asking, to feel comfortable with asking and to find our way of asking. I think that there's so many ways that you can ask for money. There's so many ways you can ask someone, invite somebody to work with you. And that's why I don't use words like pitches. I try and avoid using that word completely. And um, when it comes to somebody working with me, I want it to feel like an invitation, an invitation to do what they want to do. And I think if people can approach it like that, if they don't want to do what they want to do, that's fine. But you have, give, you have given them the invitation. You have laid out the roadmap for it. You know, so I think when we think about it like that, asking for money is not, it's essential because then if they really want it, they have to invest. And if somebody doesn't invest in themselves, they are not going to be committed to the journey. So people think that they're asking for money for themselves, but they're actually asking for a lot of money to help the person be really committed to what they say they want. Because we, as we know, the heart follows the pocket. Right. Mm. It's like I have shoes here in the background and these are all my most expensive shoes who have a very special place in my house. All the other shoes that don't matter are just thrown around the place. Right. Because I invested a lot in these. So you take care of them. It's the same with, with coaching. It's the same with the magic and the transformation that, you know, us as coaches and trainers and teachers are offering people. So I think, again, I think it's just how you think about it. But always remember, if you keep asking, you just get better at asking. You keep mm. making money, you get better at making money. That's right. You get to keep making money, you get better at making money. I love that. Well, it's, it's interesting because as you were speaking, I had a vision that came in that hopefully will illustrate exactly what we're talking about here, which is you know, you talk a lot about this pathway, right? That you help people to see the pathway, right? And you give them the pathway. And the difference between asking somebody to invest and just giving information, which is, I think it's like a little rite of passage, a turning point for many people who might get activated to speak and become a business owner, but not really have the clarity about the business side of being a business owner, is like, here you are on stage, you're showing them the map, right? But if they buy the map, they're going to have a much better chance of getting to the destination that they say that they want to go to. So we have a couple minutes left, Moira. And what I'd like to do now is I'd like to ask you if you would be willing to share maybe what, what your biggest money block might have been and what you did to overcome it or what your biggest challenge might have been in the initial getting used to the asking situation? Well, I had quite an unusual problem at the very beginning because I was convinced that people would pay me unless I was sitting in front of them in an office. 
So for almost six months, maybe even a year, I was driving to people's offices or people's places of work. And I was doing the coaching there or they were coming to my office. And it was like I had a mentor at the time. And it was like as if he just didn't he just didn't know that's what I was doing. And one day he was like, why are you driving so much? And I was like, well, I have to go see my clients. And he went, what? I was like driving all over the place because I was convinced that the value was actually in my presence being there, that I was putting all of this effort into it. So once I realized that actually I'm not doing, I'm not doing that necessarily for me, I'm doing that for them because then they are going to have more time and it's going to be much easier for them. So when I flipped the switch on that, I was actually taking up more of their time, then that changed everything for me. And then obviously it opened up for me to put even more people into my business because I couldn't do that before. So that was like, that was way back in 2015. And I, you know, I giggle at, you know, the person that I was back then. So I really truly believe that in my experience that I was, I would never be able to ask anybody to invest a high amount of money in me if I wasn't doing it myself. And I think that this is a big breakdown for coaches and they're, you know, watching other people charge, let's say high ticket or premium value, whatever you like to call it. And then they, they're absolutely convinced that they can't do it. And you're right. Because if you're not willing to do it for yourself, then you're not going to be able to have somebody else do it. So it kind of works both ways. So it's like, I decided that I was going to be the person who invests in myself at that level. And because I made the decision to be that kind of person, it then made it easier. It was always give me a right of way then to expect somebody else to invest that in themselves because I did. And I think all too often we can put expectations on other people that we're not willing to live up to ourselves. Totally. And that was probably one of my biggest breakthroughs when it came to money. Yeah, totally. That's ubiquitous in the coaching and speaking and influencer industry that if you're not investing at a high level, you you actually cannot do it. It's almost like you can't, you don't know what it's like to be a parent until you become a parent. You don't know what it's like to go through the process of investing at a high level if you don't go through the process of investing at a high level. And once you've done it, you can actually guide and support others to be able to do it as well. So totally agree with that. One other piece that I wanted to really highlight there was the whole thing around you feeling like you had to like cart yourself all over the place because the value was in the amount of effort that you were putting in. That was your mindset. Mm -hmm. And so what I want our listeners to hear is the value is not necessarily in the amount of effort that you're putting in when we're talking about more subtle shifts in perspective and mindset that a coach can give to someone. Like one little shift in mindset can be a multi-million dollar, have a multi-million dollar value. Right. And it's not got to do with whether or not you had on your fancy shoes or you drove four hours to get to the client to give them this nugget. It's about being present to what is the perspective shift that the person really needs. Well, we are at the end, Moira. Is there anything else that you'd like to say before we close? Well, for your listeners who are inspired now to consider if speaking is something that they would do. What I would say is that gift that I've given you, it's going to give you a load of ways that you can find the gig. So find the gig before you're ready to speak. That's what I would say to them, because you can't get ready for an event that you don't know when it is, who's going to be there, what time it is, anything like that. But if the gig is booked, wickedly smart women 
will prepare themselves. They will stay up the night before if they have to, to make sure that they do an absolutely fantastic job. So trust yourself, get the opportunity and then get ready. I love it. What a fabulous thing to say. All right, listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that number for you in the show notes. Please check out Moira's gift, 11 Keys to Finding Your First or Next Speaking Gig at moira.ie. Again, we'll have that for you in the show notes. You can also send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.